This is East Carolina Hall of Famer and Utah Jazz first-round draft pick Blue Edwards. You're listening to Pirate Basketball Overtime on the Sports Objective, your home for the best East Carolina hoops coverage. Welcome in to the Sports Objective. Um, we appreciate you tuning in whenever and however you're watching or listening, whether it's right now live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, or of course, um, this can be heard archived pretty much anywhere podcasts are found, including but not limited to Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Audio Boom, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Uh, right now, I'd like to welcome in um, Matt Semenza. Matt, how are things up there in Connecticut? I know you're in the middle of a blizzard. Bubba, what's going on, man? It feels like it's been a long time since I've been on the show, and, and, and it has been here, unfortunately. But, uh, yeah, we're having a little bit of a blizzard right now up here in the Northeast. Um, it's pretty uh, pretty, pretty extreme weather outside right now, but uh, it's a Saturday, so it, you know, it doesn't bother me at all. But, you know, right now we have probably, you know, in some spots pretty close to two feet. Um, we got some some extreme winds going on, so it's it's kind of blowing the snow around and, causing those snow drifts. You know, I have parts of my driveway that are probably three or four feet high right now of snow. So uh, it's going to be fun to uh, continue shoveling later, um, you know, but <laughs> what are you going to do? It's life in New England, buddy. Yeah. Um, Jim Cantori. Is Jim Cantori uh, in the area? Or at least somebody from the Weather Channel. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to do my best uh, impersonation here. But uh, we're having like, you know, 50, 60 mile per hour winds blowing out to the to the northwest so uh you know it's hopefully things calm down a little bit here soon and not to get off on a tangent but um you know backstage before we went live we were talking about college baseball practice starting um i think either yesterday or today was the first official practice and i cannot imagine you know being in college baseball coach up in that region and um you know hats off to coaches like on Coach Penders at UConn for having so much success um, despite um, dealing with weather like like they're currently dealing with. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, you know, you, you wonder why so many good players from the Northeast go play baseball in the South. And this is why, you know, you can you could just prepare outside on a daily basis in the South for the most part. And up here, you can't really do it. Um, and you really need to have a top-notch indoor facility to uh, to get your work in. So uh, he does do a tremendous job. But, you know, it's just hard to believe college baseball is getting underway. It just feels like it's coming very quickly this year, but uh, definitely excited about it. As we're here on a, a Saturday afternoon, and the Pirates will be playing um, tomorrow, um, Sunday noon game, um, tip-off there uh, at William Trina Minchie's Coliseum, like I said, at high noon, um, I will be in attendance. Um, Gabe Mikulis, some former pirate from the Bill Herring years, and I will be making the trip, uh, leaving Salisbury about 7 a.m. tomorrow. Uh, so looking forward to that. And um, before we dive into that, uh, this is our first show. Um, we did not have a pirate basketball overtime late Thursday night. We had a 9 o'clock tip-off. 
And uh, by the time that game was over, with all the fouling at the end, it was probably pushing 11.30. Um, having to get up at 5.30 on Friday morning, decided uh, that would not be my best judgment to do a show, especially you know, just given the way things turned out. I did not think many folks would be tuned in. Uh, they did not want to hear about um, that loss out at Memphis. But, you know, the positive of it, you have a, a day and a half, nearly two days to reflect. And you know, I know, Matt, you were tuned in as well. So what were some of your takeaways? And um, then I'll tell you some of the things that I really took out of that game. Yeah, I mean, so, some of the takeaways, and I think it's a good thing that we had a few days to, to, to kind of, you know, take a chance to reflect a little bit because sometimes after the games you're so heated. You know, I know I can be very heated, especially when we have a big loss like that on the road. Um, so it's, it's good to get a little perspective. But, um, you know, I see a few things right now. First of all, I think, you know, you look at this recent skid and and you can go back to the second half against UCF. And I think UCF really found something against us. And they, and they really, the blueprint is out there and you could see now in recent games, um, you could see Houston use the blueprint and now you can see Memphis. And, and what that is, I think what they found is that if you play aggressive man to man defense and you extend it beyond the perimeter, really get up into our players um, and almost overplay the, the passing lanes very aggressively man to man, you can really give our team problems. Like I said, I think UCF found that in the second half, made it very difficult to get shots up. Um, Houston found it. And then I think uh, Memphis found it the other night. Um, so what we need to do is find a way to counter that um, because we're not going to see much zone. I don't think moving forward. I think the blueprint is out there. It's going to be aggressive man to man. And, um, I think we did a better job against Memphis. We did get a lot, a lot of open looks, but we just couldn't knock down shots. Yeah, no doubt. Um, Pirates struggled once again from the field uh, out at Houston. Uh, record lows, um, shooting 16%, uh, just eight made field goals in the game, one out of 19 from three. And like I said, did not get a whole lot better on Thursday night, unfortunately. Um, shot. 26 or 27 percent from the floor and just I think it was trying to remember if it was four out of 27 something like that from three Uh, so over the last two games uh, uh, after the Pirates went to Houston ranked in the top 35 nationally I think 34th to be exact shooting nearly 38 percent from three Uh, it has been atrocious the last two games just 14 and a half percent beyond the arc yeah, and it's, it's tough to win. I mean, regardless of who you're playing, when you shoot that poorly, it's going to be very difficult to win. And I think, you know, you look at the Houston game, we just couldn't get good looks, period. I mean, we just could not get – their defense was suffocating. Um, they have so much length on the perimeter. They can extend you. They make every shot contested. So, um, But Memphis was actually – you know, they bring that length aspect as well. And they're a more athletic team than we are. But we did get good looks – just couldn't knock them down. And um, that's got to be frustrating if you're Joe Dooley because, you know, that is a game where if you were able to knock down some of those shots, you're going to be in it, you know, going into the final two minutes. So um, got to be frustrating. Just going to have to shoot the ball better. Yeah, no doubt. Against Memphis, um, like you said, despite the poor shooting uh, with 15 minutes left, the Pirates led the game, I think, 33 to 32. The bench was into it. Uh, just could not get anything to fall. Um, and you knew if that continued um, that sooner or later Memphis is going to start hitting shots. They they had shot the ball very poorly as well. They couldn't take care of the ball. Um, I think Pirates um, 
or the Pirates uh, finished with 13 turnovers. Memphis had 16 or 17. And um, they finally started taking a little bit better care of the basketball in the final 10 minutes and uh, started making some shots. Yeah, they sure did. And I think their athleticism began to take over a little bit as that game went on. Um, you know, I think they were able to, um, you know, they we had a hard time boxing them out the entire game. And interestingly enough, when you look at that stretch where we actually got back into it and we actually took that one point lead at that point, we were rebounding the ball well. But at certain points in that game, we were just not able to keep them off the glass. And I think, uh, you know, they just kind of wore us down and you combine that with the poor shooting and and and, and that's what you're going to get. So, um, you know, and they're a team where I know they have some guys out with injury, but they have depth. They have talent. They've recruited at a high level. And um, you just can't give them extra opportun- extra opportunities on the glass um, like we did so many times. They're going to beat you. Yeah, to your point, and the Pirates were out rebounded by the Tigers, fifty-three to forty-two, and um, and for much of the game, and the Pirates were holding their own on the glass. But um, there, down the stretch, uh, like you said, um, they started taking advantage of some of those second chance opportunities, and um, the Pirates in in the paint, um, outside of you know Zoe Frank, um, I think Luigi maybe had four boards. And I uh, also did a nice job in the first half of uh, you know, hustling to some loose balls. And even though he didn't corral those loose balls of getting getting some tips on where other people were able to get the rebound. But uh, definitely uh, you saw Memphis's athleticism and size start to rise to the surface there um, down the stretch. Uh, also, um, Vance Jackson. Uh, Vance has really struggled the last three games after combining for 52 points against Cincinnati. And uh, Memphis, uh, be- beginning with that uh, UCF game, um, he, he really, I think the UCF game, he only took two shots, um, two or three shots from the floor against the Knights. And then, so in the last three games, Vance Jackson has a combined four made field goals. Um, and prior to that, in, in the last eight games, uh, he had made at least four field goals in all but one game. So that gives you a little bit of an indication of how Vance has been struggling. But on a positive note, uh, we talked about this as well earlier, Matt. And in that Memphis game, even though he shot so poorly, three out of 14 from the floor, he did show more aggressiveness. He attacked the basket some off the dribble. Um, He also did a nice job of being more aggressive, pulling down some uh, rebounds. He had 12 boards and then four on the offensive of the offensive variety. Yeah, and I think that's a really good point. For you know, first of all, we're just not going to win if with with Vance, you know, scoring those type of numbers and shooting that poorly. Um, We really need him to be a threat on offense. And you know, rule of thumb when you're when you're struggling to to knock down shots from the outside, attack the basket. And you know, I'd like to see him do a little bit more of that. And um, you know, but he brings he brings length. He brings the ability to to knock down shots from the perimeter. And and again, you just you, you got to have that. I, I think that some of this this recent skid, this this slump you see him in, is who we're playing. Because now all of a sudden we're playing teams like Houston, who have you know they have wing defenders that are six eight, six nine, and very athletic. So they make it difficult to get off shots. So. Um, you know, hopefully you look at our schedule here over the next three or four games. It's a little more manageable. Um, I don't think Cincinnati's quite as uh, uh, athletic as they've been in some previous years. So hopefully that's enough to get him going. But, 
you know, he's got to start, start scoring at a higher rate or we're just not going to have a chance. Um, you know, and I think you saw some of our youth creep in um, against Memphis. You know, you saw Felton really struggled from the outside. Um, and, and I think Small was very hesitant to shoot. Um, so we need those guys to – they're young. They're, they're freshmen. Both have a big upside. It's, it's never easy when you're a freshman playing at this level. But we're going to need those guys moving forward, especially with the, with the loss of, you know, Suggs there. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, you mentioned Javon Small. Uh, I know the coaching staff's very high on Javon, and um, you know, obviously he's been doing some things right in, in practice. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been playing um, the minutes he's been playing because in the in non-conference, Matt, Javon only played 13 minutes. But then as league play was beginning uh, and, and since, and I know you've had the injury to Brandon Suggs and also J.J. Miles, and that's certainly contributed, but um, in league play, um, the games in which he's played, I think he's played in at least five or six of the s- seven games, and Javon is averaging 14 minutes per game. And to your point, uh, as far as him uh, demonstrating some hesitancy uh, in pulling the trigger on his shot uh, in league play, he's just two out of 16 from the floor. Yeah, and you could really see it. I mean, there were a few times where he was open, uh, on the wing and uh, had a chance to uh, to shoot the ball and, and just didn't – he seemed very hesitant to pull the trigger. I think that's just, you know, maybe his his confidence is lacking a little bit right now. He's trying to figure out this level of basketball, which which makes sense. But, you know, hey, if you're open, pull the trigger. And um, and Felton is a guy in particular that I really like. I think he's a, he's a strong kid. I like the way he attacks the basket. But, um, but again, it, it, in 2021, 2022 – if you're not hitting three-pointers, if you're not able to, to, to space the floor and knock down shots, you're just not going to win. Um, so it, it falls on the whole team. Yeah. RJ's definitely uh, shot it better than Javon has, but at the same time, like you're saying, he, he has been kind of streaky um, and definitely not converting in the clip that you would like. I think he's shooting 30 or 31%. Uh, you like to see him hopefully um, get that up into the mid-30s. And um, with his athleticism and junior, uh, just make the defense um, play a little more honestly. And then if they try to get up on him with his athleticism and uh, leaping ability, he can he can definitely uh, get to the basket and make some things happen. Yeah, no doubt about it. And you know, I I think Joe Dooley has has some big decisions to make offensively with this team. And you know, obviously with with Suggs out, Miles is, is struggling a little bit. He's had some injuries. Um, you know, I think, you know, obviously the ball needs to be in Tristan Newton's hands, um, you know, but I think I'd like to see a little more pick and pop with with Vance um, and Tristan Newton, a little more two man game um, where we can we can use Tristan's ability to get into the lane and then penetrate and kick. And hopefully we have some open shooters on the outside, but maybe a little pick and pop with with uh, Tristan Newton and Vance Jackson. Um, we need a lot of, you know. Teams are going to pressure us man-to-man on the perimeter, so we need to screen well. Um, that's one thing I think we can do a better job of is setting better screens, getting Tristan into the lane, and then hopefully he can penetrate and kick to open shooters. Another guy it would be nice to see the Pirates get a little more production from. He's had a tremendous freshman year, and um, he did play in the junior college ranks a season ago, but that year did not count against his eligibility because of COVID, and, uh, and that's obviously Brandon Johnson. Um, 
very excited about his future. And it's not atypical whatsoever. I'd say it's typical to, to see a freshman um, you know, kind of hit a little bit of a wall in league play. You saw it a couple years ago with Brandon Suggs. Um, and now he's moved beyond that. Um, hopefully Brandon will be back in the lineup uh, very soon. But um, Brandon Johnson, he, in game seven through 13, uh, he was playing 27 minutes a game. And then um, the last five or maybe six games, he's playing like 14 and a half, 15 minutes a game. Um, so in the league opener, I, I went back and looked at it against Tulane. Uh, and, of course, that was an overtime game. So there were a possible 45 minutes in that game. He played 38 minutes. And in the next six, he has uh, not played more than 22 and I think in, in four or five of those games, he may not have even played 15. So I found that uh, pretty interesting as well. That is a really interesting stat. And you, and you wonder what what's behind that, whether it's, you know, just uh, matchup, you know, whether it's based on matchups against these teams who have a lot of length and size, or if maybe he did hit that, you know, that wall, you just don't know. But I agree with you, man. He's a guy that has a lot of talent. I mean, he's got some. He's got some bounce. He can. He's athletic. He can really jump. Um, I think another year in the weight room is going to serve him really well, so he could just bang a little bit more down low with these bigger bodies. Um, but yeah, he's he's a guy. He's got to get it going more, and um, you know, at least hey, if your minutes are down, you just need to you need to take advantage of the minutes you get and make sure you maximize them. <laughs> When he's been in there, I think he still battled uh, against Memphis. He had six rebounds. Um, so, no, he doesn't necessarily have to do, produce the numbers he did against Tulane and UCF uh, when he had 14 and 10 against the Green Wave and 10 and 8 against the Knights. But, uh, you know, if you can, you need at least probably, you know, eight and five, nine and six or something like that from him on a pretty consistent basis um, because otherwise, I mean, you're putting all the pressure on. On Zoe Frank, uh, because, you know, Luigi, I mean, you try to get 10 to 15 good minutes from him. Some games that happens, some games it does not uh, because of matchup issues and so forth. But um, he, even if he is giving you some decent minutes, um, he's probably not going to give you more than four points and then four rebounds, something like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I mean, he's gonna. He, he just has to find his role on his team. I think he's done a really nice job throughout the course of the season. So hopefully, he can, you know, continue that moving forward. And you know, Bubba, since you mentioned Zoe Frank, we were talking before the show a little bit. He, he's a, he's an interesting player to watch because he every now and then he'll do something, and I just I'm like, wow. I mean, that's that's a really, you know, he'll show some nice low post moves. He'll show a nice touch around the rim, and then other times I kind of scratch my head and. I think he's a guy. He's trying to find consistency, but the ability's there. He's a, he's a strong kid. He, you know, he obviously played in the SEC um, for 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 quite a few years and uh, trying to make his mark here. But he, if he can be a little more consistent, it'll it'll definitely help us. We need all those guys to play well. You know, um, Johnson, Luigi, and Frank need to really uh, step up and, and and play play big here down the stretch. Speaking of a guy, the Pirates need to play well um, and. First of all, it's great to see this guy get 23 minutes at Memphis because J.J. Miles against Houston, uh, he had played 14 minutes. I think he was probably going to play 20 or 25 uh, because Coach Houston, I mean Coach Houston, at Houston, uh, Coach Dooley said after the game that J.J. Um, did not um, 
meet his um, limit as far as minutes, but he was on a minute limitation against the Cougars. And uh, my guess is that would have been about 20. Uh, but he played those 14 but got re-injured. I don't know if it's the, the same injury or something else. But um, great news to see him be able to play 23 against Memphis. And uh, I think he's scored seven points, knocked down one three. So tomorrow, the Pirates are going to pull off the mild upset at home against Cincinnati, which we'll talk more about here in a minute. Uh, J.J. Miles is probably going to knock or need to knock down at least two or three threes and produce uh, at least uh, 10 to 12 points, I'd say. Yeah, no doubt. He's such a streaky player. And when he gets hot, you got to feed him the ball. And, but he can he's, he he can get into a groove where he can knock down shots, and we've seen it many times over the years. But then he can get into you know a situation where he's ice cold, and uh, it, it just again it all comes back to consistency for this team. And you know um, we need guys to step up, but it's definitely good to see him getting back um, healthy. And and I agree, he's going to have to knock down some threes and you know score some in transition. Um, you know, for us to have a chance to win these games. And we talk about Brandon Suggs' impact. Um, the, I guess the last 10 to 15 minutes, whatever he missed of that UCF game, um, the majority of the second half in overtime, then the Houston game. Uh, during that stretch, the Pirates have been outscored 133 to 66. So the Pirates have been more than doubled up, just over doubled up uh, during that time. Um, so that Memphis game, uh, was the second complete game uh, they were p- playing without Brandon Suggs. So hopefully, um, having grown more accustomed to that, um, we can figure out a way to have some more offensive production uh, minus Suggs on Sunday against Cincinnati. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And sometimes with, you know, like a perimeter defender, you don't realize the impact they're having until until they're gone. You know, a perimeter defense doesn't show up in the stat sheet. You know, and 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 he's one of those guys that sometimes you know he'll do a lot of things that you don't really uh, pick up on during the course of the game. Uh, you don't see them on TV; they're the intangibles. Um, but he's a good perimeter defender. He's solid, um, and he's got some length. So when the ball moves, he can get out on shooters and contest. And you know, he's one of those guys. You know, now that you kind of see this team without him, it does make a big difference our ability to get up on shooters and, and, and play defense. So, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully we can get him back soon because I think they're definitely feeling the, uh, the loss of Suggs more on defense even than I think offense. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Uh, a lot of times, you know, Brandon would create those turnovers with his length and then they would result in fast break layups or dunks. And, um, in addition to that, um, on the offensive end, we've talked about how limited the Pirates have been in terms of um, front court scoring production. Uh, even though you know he's kind of that swing guy playing the, the three spot, um, he can attack the basket with his size and athleticism. Um, he's shot free throws pretty well this year, and uh, he's going to give the Pirates some production in the paint that they're not currently getting um, from from. Um, you know, some of those front court players. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And and like I was saying earlier, I don't think we're going to see much zone for the rest of the season um, unless we can figure this out right now. I think we're going to we're going to continue to see, you know, aggressive man to man defense. So, you know, we need those guys who are who are a little bigger, have more length, they're a little more physical. 
um, to create shots and, and, and set great screens. Um, so it, it's going to be interesting. And, you know, but the good news is we're heading into a stretch here that's more manageable. Yeah, no doubt. And I know earlier you referenced saying um, this is kind of a point in the schedule where you wish the Pirates had um, what most people refer to as a cupcake game a little bit of an easy W, um, but that's definitely not the case. But the next best thing, I think, is to be in the friendly confines of Williams Arena Minji's Coliseum and the Pirates I will, in fact, be in Minji's uh, tomorrow at noon against Cincinnati and then also, I believe it's Tuesday, uh, against Temple. Yeah, thank God for that. We need it. We need some home games. And, yeah, we, we were joking around before the show about how, you know, I was saying it would be a great time for, for a cupcake on the schedule uh, – we could use it. Unfortunately, you just you look around this conference and you just don't see any of those cupcakes, um, you know, but uh, you certainly could use one to get your confidence back. But, hey, next best thing is playing at home. Um, like I said, I think, you know, you look at Cincinnati, they're always a good – always have a good team. But I think, you know, they've struggled a little bit on the road this year. Um, is it a winnable game at home? Absolutely. Yeah, um, we'll talk more about what's happening within the American here in a few minutes. Um, Houston's obviously the cream of the crop, and then you have SMU um, trying to do everything they can to stay within striking distance of the Cougars because they will play Houston um, twice in the month of February, and um, we'll discuss that a little more in-depth here in a few minutes. But um, before we dive into this Cincinnati matchup and and kind of briefly preview things for tomorrow afternoon. Uh, happy birthday to Coach Dooley. Uh, Coach Dooley's birthday is, in fact, today. Happy birthday, Coach. But, um, you know, taking a look at, at the matchup between the Pirates and the Bearcats on these two teams met here within the last, what, two to three weeks up at the up at the um, Shoemaker Center, uh, Fifth Third Arena, as they call it now, inside the Shoemaker Center. and that game, and the Pirates fell behind by 23, and then uh, Vance Jackson almost single-handedly uh, brought the Pirates back for what would have been a tremendous uh, road win. Um, Pirates closed to within three, I think it was, in the final three to four minutes of that game, but could not complete the comeback. Yeah, that was one of those games where, you know, you're like at, at one point you're ready to turn it off, and then all of a sudden, you know, here come the Pirates battling back and, you know, had a chance to uh, to do some things down the stretch there. Just couldn't finish it off. But, yeah, Vance got hot. And you see, that's a perfect example. When he plays well and he gives you that, you know, that added dimension, that added scoring, you know, it, it goes a long way because we just struggle to find baskets against these teams. Um, so we're going to need him to play big and – uh and now you have them at home. Uh, you know, I don't know, Bubba, have you seen the line for that game yet? I, I tried to look it up, but I don't see a line yet. Yeah, I have not seen the line. I'll see if I can find that. But um, Vance's game against Cincinnati it was his career high, and I think his previous career high had come during his New Mexico days when he put, I think, 30 on Fresno State or someone out there in the Mountain West. But uh, Vance had 35 against the Bearcats, 13 out of 24 from the floor, and 8 out of 11 from three. Hmm. So, 8 out of 11, that's what we need. We need, a, <laughs> we need yeah. a night like that from one of the guys for sure to have a chance to win. And uh, that night uh, against Cincinnati, um, you know, Davenport, uh, he really came up big. And he, he's a guy that's you know, six seven, uh, kind of of that Vance Jackson mold, uh, maybe um, – 
he's he's a little bit better in the paint than Vance is, and uh, Vance is probably a little bit better from three than Davenport. But but Davenport uh, led Cincinnati that night with twenty two points. Yeah, he's a tough player. He's the type of guy that he's he's a little more physical, and he can hurt you in a lot of different ways. So big challenge to stop him. And I think, you know, I think we're going to have to mix up our looks a little bit uh, defensively. Um, you know, one of the things I like that Joe Dooley does is he'll go to a, a three-quarter court pressure, a 2-2-1, two, two, um, to slow the other team down. And he's really not looking for turnovers or steals. He's just trying to get them to a point where when they cross half court, the shot clock is now like at 20 seconds roughly, or maybe even hopefully a little less. Um, um, so I think we're going to have to do a lot of that. We need to uh, just to kind of keep them out of a situation where, you know, they're they're in the half court and they have 26, 27 seconds to go ahead and run a play. You know, we're going to need to make them uncomfortable a little bit. And I think he's had some success with that. So, um, you know, hopefully that's something we can we can, you know, use tomorrow. Yeah, no doubt. And you look at Cincinnati, Cincinnati, they're, they're coming off a loss uh, at Temple. Uh, Temple defeated the Bearcats 61-58. to And in that game, uh, Cincinnati really struggled shooting the basketball, shooting just 29% and 7 out of 33, uh, so 21% from beyond the arc. Um, and guess what? They fell victim to uh, Damian Dunn, a buzzer beater. I think that's a, so. That's at least three buzzer beaters for Dunn this year, um, as he propelled the Owls to victory against UCF, East Carolina, and Cincinnati. Yeah, he's got a knack for the uh, you know for the for the for the final shot. I mean, he's he's shown it many times. Uh, tough player. Um, definitely looking forward to getting Temple back at home now um that's a game we need to we need to get that win back yeah most definitely um that's one that you know if the pirates are going to push for the 500 mark and you know the middle of the pack in this league um that's a game that they need to win and um and really you know cincinnati would about be in that same category um because they're they're right there um and it's a log jam in the middle of this league um, after after Houston and SMU. And then you have Temple that's four and two, but um, Temple's down two or three games. I don't know if it was because of their issues or some uh, opponent COVID issues. Yeah, and there's a, it's definitely a log jam. And, and we, I, you know, I think when you look at Houston is, is just clearly just a, just a, I think the best team in the conference. I mean, they, they can just, overwhelm you on defense uh, with their length and their they've done a great job recruiting obviously tremendous uh, well-coached team I think they're the class of the conference but but you're right you look underneath that and you have a log jam in the middle and I think that's where we need to see progress over this next you know the last 10 games of the season we need to see progress and start winning those games against the temples of the world um, you know and, and some of those teams that we can beat um, and, and you just want to see you, you want to see the program continue to move in the right direction and beat those teams. And taking a look around the league, I know today uh, you have uh, what a job Ron Hunter is doing down at Tulane and the Green Wave battled some COVID issues back in early to mid-December. But now uh, you look, they're 9-9 nine nine overall, but 6-3 and three in the American at the midway point of the conference schedule. Uh, I would say that Ron Hunter's um, coach of the year in this league. Yeah, he's done an incredible job. He really has. He uh, he's he's a great coach. He's got a nice track record. He's he's 
obviously his success at Georgia State years ago where he brought that team into the NCAA tournament. And, you know, he's doing a really nice job there. They're winning games. Um, you know, he can't dress on the sideline, but that's a whole nother. <laughs> you stole <laughs> no, my thunder. I was just about to say he's also the best dress coach in the American. Yeah, he, he definitely needs to uh, work on that the, the, the sideline attire. Today the Tulane coaching staff was wearing some kind of a – 1984 Michael Jackson thriller jumpsuit on the sideline. I don't know what's going on going on down there with the sideline attire, but um, he can definitely coach, and he's got the team moving in the right direction. We need to go back and look at his days at Georgia State, and uh, and prior to that, uh, you know, when, when he was wearing a suit, and uh, see see what see what he looked like then. Yeah. I'd be curious, man, but um, yeah, they definitely need to uh, improve that that aspect of their game a little bit. But, but today, he's, but he's uh, doing a good job. Huge win today for Tulane. Yeah, I'm beating Wichita State, and they trailed by nine, and then scored ten unanswered to close things out. Um, they're at home in New Orleans uh, to beat the Shockers by one, and Wichita State is now one in six. Uh, so a, a real surprise there. Um, you know. Wichita State last year, and they were the beneficiary. And yes, they had a tremendous team, but um, some teams being down games and so forth. Um, you know, Houston was the best team in the league, but uh, Wichita State actually won the regular season title. Yeah, it's not very often you see them down like this. Um, you know, I mean, they've, they've had such so much success over the last decade. Um, but you know, obviously a change there at the top with Greg Marshall. And now maybe you're starting to see some of the results of that and recruiting and different things. But, um, Bubba, I wanted to ask you, did you think, so at the end of that game today, uh, the Tulane player, I can't remember his name. He got fouled on a three. He knocked down all three free throws. Uh, yes. I, I, I believe that was cook that you're referring to. Uh, Cause I remember the play um, vividly off the, off the right wing. Did you think that was a foul? Initially, no. I, I, initially, I was a wow. I, I agreed with the uh, with Etienne from Wichita State. I thought he'd uh, gotten a raw deal, but uh, after watching the replay, it looked more legit. Okay, I need to go back and watch the replay. It did look to me like Cook. It looked like he stuck his foot out a little bit from one angle and kind of drew the foul. Right, um, and that, that's what. Yeah, that's what Etienne from uh, Wichita State, that's what he was saying. Okay. Yeah, so I'd like to see it from another angle. But, uh, hey, regardless, he he stepped up. He he knocked down the, the free throws. Um, and, and at the end of the day, it's a win. Yeah. And uh, I talk about the performance of Cook, uh, the very talented guard from Tulane. And uh, Jalen Cook, I think he finished with 23 today. And – and he, yeah, and Cook had 23, including five three-pointers. And then you have Cross, a um, talented front-court player. Um, Cross finished with 20 points and 11 rebounds. So they guided the green wave despite shooting 39%. Um, the green wave took care of the basketball. Uh, they only had nine turnovers in the game as opposed to 19 for the Shockers. So that and free-throw shooting uh, where they outscored Wichita State 14 to 2 that was the difference. Yeah, no doubt. I mean their field goal percentage certainly wasn't great, but if you're knocking down threes and if you're making your free throws, you're still going to have a chance to win. So uh hey, they were able to do it today, credit to them and um you know, they're going to be a tough out 
for the rest of the year. They definitely have some momentum. Bubba, did we lose you there? You got me now? Now I got you. Yep. Okay. Yeah, you just got out for a second. All right. Um, let's take a look around the league. Um, you have Temple and then the Owls. We were just talking about them a moment ago. They are defeating SMU 46 to 44 with nine and a half minutes to play out in Dallas. So that would be a huge road win um, for Aaron McKee's ball club. And then you have number seven, Houston. Um, the Cougars, 17-2, and two, are going to be in Orlando tonight against um, a very talented UCF club. Um, Cougars are a six-and-a-half-point favorite, and um, UCF's 12-6, and six, and um, you know, kind of looking, um, looking to get somewhat into the hunt uh, and be in that top third of the conference and position themselves, even though they are, are very unlikely to win the league. Um, make them um, be in a spot where they could potentially have their name called on Selection Sunday. And then you have South Florida and Tulsa uh, doing battle out in. Yeah, that's a really intriguing matchup tonight, that UCF-Houston game. I definitely want to, want to uh, you know, take some time and watch that game. UCF's, uh, they're the type of team where, again, they can get hot. And they can really hurt you from from the perimeter. They can knock down threes. Um, Johnny Dawkins has done a nice job there, bringing in some talent. Um, at the end of the day, I don't know if they have the length to match up with Houston. I think Houston will get it done, but it's going to be a pretty good matchup. Um, you know, it just it's. I think it's going to come down to knocking down shots. And if UCF gets hot, like they did against us in the second half, you never know what's going to happen. Um, plus, they have the home court advantage. So looking forward to that one. That's going to be a good game. I do think Houston will uh, ultimately pull it out. And how about Houston, Bubba? Let me just say this. You look at them. We They landed Josh Carlton, originally a player originally from North Carolina. He went to UConn for several years. Didn't really you know, have a huge impact at UConn. Uh, we recruited him pretty hard in the offseason. I think we actually got him on an official visit. Um, ultimately lost out to Houston, uh, who landed him. And, and he's, he, does, he does a nice job for them. I mean, he brings size, and uh, he, can, he can definitely, like, if you don't have a seven-footer on the roster, if you have guys that are 6'9", 6'8", down low, he can overwhelm you. So um, yeah. that was a key pickup for them. Yeah, it was a, definitely a huge pickup. Josh Carlton, originally from, from Winterville, uh, he played at South Central, uh, went to UConn. Um, Pirates did everything they could to get Carlton to come back home. Unfortunately, uh, he opted to go to Houston, and he, I mean, you can't blame him. I mean, he has an opportunity to to play for a program that went to the Final Four a year ago, and you know, maybe repeat that this year, and you know, maybe cut down the nets. So we shall see. But uh, Carlton, um, this is something James Legan and I talked about on uh, Pirate Basketball Overtime um, last, I guess, what Wednesday night or whenever the Pirates. Saturday night when the Pirates played Houston, um, James and I talked about just how Josh Carlton had, you know, had slimmed down. I'm not sure exactly how much weight he had lost, but you could really see it in his in his face in particular. And he was much, much quicker than the two times I'd seen him play for UConn in Menchie's against the Pirates. And um, and I think I think it's Mark Adams that was the color analyst for ESPN in that game uh, on the Deuce. And uh, Mark Adams said that. 
um, in addition to Coach Dooley mentioning after the game that um, Josh Carlton can really earn some money playing professional basketball um, over in Europe. Um, who knows, he may get a shot in the NBA, but he, if not in the NBA, then he'll definitely get a heck of a deal and um, have a chance to make a living for a while on doing what he loves, playing basketball over in Europe. Yeah, I could definitely see him having a nice career in Europe. Um, you know, and, and I agree. He does look uh, – he looks more athletic this year. He does look like he slimmed down a little bit. He looks quicker. Um, his leaping ability looks quicker too. So, um, you know, maybe Kelvin Sampson just just got him in, in better condition. But he does look a little different. He's definitely a guy that, you know, with his size, he's going to have a career. He's going to make money. I, I don't know about the NBA. Um, but you never know if he continues to progress. Maybe he's got a future there too. No doubt. I know we, we, get, we definitely could have used him in purple and gold, though, after seeing him the other night. That would have been a big get for Joe Dooley. That would have been a, that would have been huge. Uh, and I'm trying to remember the timeline of things as far as you know when he opted to go to Houston. Um, but just thinking about, I mean, also like when when Alonzo Frank or Lanzo Frank um, chose to come to East Carolina, but you know, you combined – I mean, somebody would have probably been left out, but if, if you have Zoe Frank and Josh Carlton or Josh Carlton and uh, Brandon Johnson, uh, that makes for a heck of a front-court combination um, for sure. And, uh, you know, I appreciate everyone chiming in uh, this afternoon on YouTube and uh, also Facebook. On, on Facebook, Johnny Robertson said – Ken Pomeroy uh, gives the Pirates a 35% chance of uh, winning tomorrow. Um, in, in addition to that, 35% chance of winning. Uh, he has a predictive score of 70 to 66 in, in favor of the Bearcats. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I Just can see a score in that range too. I think that that's, uh makes sense to me. And uh, with the Pirates' struggles recently scoring on – I think this is a game that in order for East Carolina to be victorious um, probably needs to be played in the in the mid-60s. If it gets up into the 70s, um, it's going to be much tougher. It definitely will. It definitely will. I mean, it, the common theme here is we really struggle from, from the outside and, and, and struggle to get good shots, good quality shots. And uh, that's why I think, um, you know, I think going into that, you know, where we bring a lot of pressure, whether it's full court, or three-quarter court, um, try and get them in a situation, again, not to be repetitive, but when they get the ball over half court, the shot clock is drained a little bit. And now we get them rushing in the half court a little bit, and hopefully we can you know, make them pay with that. I think we need to mix things up a little bit defensively and, and make people work the, you know, the full length of the court. So hopefully that's something we see tomorrow. Johnny Robertson also chimed in um, going along with uh, the comments as far as Cincinnati's defense and the Pirates' struggle scoring of late. Uh, Cincinnati's number one in the nation in effective defensive field goal percentage at 42%, and they are top 20 in uh, fewest turnovers committed per game. The Pirates are still number six in assisted field goals at 64.2. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And it's, then, uh, it's what we've come cool. to expect from Cincinnati, right, Bubba? Just tough. Yeah. tough physical team yeah um that's that's been their kind of their calling card um going back Mick Cronin and then uh, especially when Huggy Bear was there for all those years with so much success back in the 
I guess, going back to maybe the late 80s, at least the early 90s, and then um, throughout the early 2000s in Conference USA um, before um, he ended up, um, you know, everything that transpired there and now moving on to his alma mater in West Virginia. But um, Johnny Gardner also chimes in on Facebook. Um, Johnny revisited what we were discussing as far as Josh Carlton, and uh, it's kind of coming back to me what uh, he was saying as far as Jaden Gardner before he opted to to head to UVA that, that Jaden was trying to get Josh Carlton here. Oh, Johnny, you're killing me now. That's a, <laughs> Can you imagine that lineup? Yeah. I mean, I mean, can you imagine where we'd be if we had those guys on the, in the front court? Um, wow. Yeah. Um, like you're saying, uh, some of the things you'd have had the opportunity to do and uh, Jaden Gardner, uh, you know, passing it to Carlton and, you know, kind of a two-man game there uh, with the way Jaden Gardner was deadly from about 15 to 17 feet. Yeah, he Jaden Gar he's so good in the mid range, which which is strange because you don't see many, you just don't see many players have the mid range game anymore. He's so good in the mid range, and if you could have given him like a true uh, post presence down low, man, what a combo that would have been. So that's a really good point by uh, by Johnny. Hey, what 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 could have been? And Johnny also chimed in as far as uh, Coach Ron Hunter in in his dress. Um, and I also recall this now, Johnny, as well. Uh, during his days at Georgia State, uh, he wore a lot of mock turtlenecks and, uh, and oh. mock, mock turtlenecks and double-breasted coats. So, so, <laughs> so I, I remember um, it was very well documented. I, I think I'm trying to remember. I think it was in the NCAA tournament. Um, Matt, do you recall when Coach Hunter fell off the stool on courtside there? It sounds familiar. It does sound familiar. I have to go back and Google that one, though. But um, definitely look that up. Um, you know, hated it that it happened, but I mean, I think he was laughing about it himself, and I think that was during the time where his son played for him. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that, that mock turtleneck look is never a good thing either. By the way. <laughs> and then uh, Johnny Gardner also chimed in saying. Uh, Vance Jackson needs to use his sidestep to get his shot off against aggressive defenses. Um, teams, um, the team has to play stronger and tougher. Um, contact is allowed, like ben, Big Ten play in the old Big East days. We need to adjust and accept that that's the style of play that is allowed within the American and play accordingly. Uh, we've been beaten by guys like Damian Dunn of Temple uh, that should have been out of the game because of fouls. Yeah. And that's a good point when you're talking about playing stronger and tougher. I mean, I think to Johnny's point, one of the things we could do is when we set screens on offense, we need to do better at setting quality screens. I mean, you see a lot of this now where, you know, when teams are operating on the perimeter and the ball's moving, they're a lot of like, they're like rubs, you know, they're not, it's not really a screen. And when these teams are playing so aggressively man to man extended against us, like the way we are or the way they are, we've got to do a good job setting screens. And if not, everything's just going to continue to be forced out so far beyond the perimeter that we're going to struggle to get into offense. So I definitely think we need to, we need to be a little tougher on the screens and then we need to be a little tougher down low and box out because boxing out against Memphis was atrocious. It really was. We did not do a good job boxing out and we're already at a slight disadvantage. They have more size and more athleticism 
if we forget about, you know, that simple fundament, fundamental of boxing out, we're going to be in trouble. And to your point, as far as the setting of screens, uh, some of our bigs, I know we've picked up uh, fouls because of illegal screens, uh, maybe just because we're a step slow. And then also, um, in some cases, um, we haven't been playing the game very long um, because of, uh, you know, you know, kind of an international international uh, flavor there and, um, you know, just did not pick up the game until um, maybe the latter part of your high school career. Yeah, it's, it's something that, like, when I watch basketball, it drives me crazy when I see guys, you know, you'll see coaches set up a perfect play and the ball movement's good and it, the, the design of the play is really good. But then you, you see guys not setting screens and uh, just making it too easy on a defender. I think – I think that's something that we're going to need to do to help ourselves out a little bit. So I think I do think it's a good point. The European uh, influence may have had more of a effect on that. And and let's face it, the game itself, you know, especially like when you look at the NBA, it's just not nearly as physical as it once was. It's a lot more finesse. And you see it trickle down into college ball a little bit now, too. But, um, you know, kind of winding things down here um, as we've taken a look back at the Memphis game, also um, looked ahead to tomorrow's matchup, noon tip-off with the Cincinnati Bearcats. Definitely get out to Williams Arena, Menjis Coliseum. Um, Pirates, I know people are frustrated by the way we've played the last two-plus games, um, not closing out the UCF game and then uh, losing lopsided, a lopsided game at Houston, and then the Pirates were competitive for about 30 to 35 minutes, really Played so hard, but just simply did not shoot the ball well uh, against Memphis and then kind of faded down the stretch. Uh, I understand the, the frustration and then uh, kind of the mentality of, oh, here we go again, because we've seen it time and again through East Carolina's basketball history of uh, teams not playing well. Um, you know, as you head into the month of February and really, really struggling down the stretch. But, hey, this is the new year, you know. As Coach Holtz used to say on the football side of things, uh, and so many other coaches say as well, it's not like um, this was specific to Coach Holtz, but um, you remember Skip used to say, Matt, um, the life expectancy of a team is one year. And so as frustrated as Pirate fans are, hey, remember this team is still 11-8. and eight. Also remember that they're 10-1 and one at home and that we're as good as we've been in several years. So don't give up on the Pirates yet. I know um, – Number 15, uh, number eight, East Carolina baseball is just around the corner, and the Pirates are so used to looking forward to baseball. But stick with Joe Dooley and this ball club. Let's support, you know, to the end of the season and um, hopefully make the Pirates or help make the Pirates 11-1 and at home tomorrow against Cincinnati. Yeah, and I mean, there's no doubt. We're going through a, a tough stretch right now. Um, but there's, what, 10 games left in the season, I believe, and we are 11 and 8 now and um there there uh, currently is 10 games left um correct um hopefully we'll be able to pick up that game with Wichita State that we lost um the game with uh, South Florida was able to be rescheduled okay good good so there's a lot of season left a lot of season left and you see this all the time hey we're not the first team to go through in basketball to go through a three game skid um but this is a big one tomorrow to sort of right the ship. You're at home in what I think is a winnable game. 
Uh, I think it's a more manageable game. You know, when you look at the next few opponents coming up, they, they, they're, they're all winnable games. It's not like, you know, you have a Houston uh, lingering out there. So got to take care of business. Got Just got to get the next game. Got to get back in the win column, build some confidence. Hopefully people show up tomorrow to the game uh, and support this team um, because, hey, let's face it, it does make an impact. Um, when we're playing home games, we need a crowd to support the team. So, um, like I said, hopefully we can right the ship. That's what you want to see. You just want to stop the bleeding, get back in the win column, and uh, and hopefully this season can get back on track. Yeah, I saw um, Eric Ward. I'm the director of sports marketing at East Carolina and director of sports marketing and fan engagement. I believe he put this out on social media in the last few days, but he said ticket sales were going very well for this Cincinnati game. So hopefully that um, has continued and uh, we'll have a, a solid, you know, at least 5,000 or so in Minji's tomorrow and uh, help be that sixth man that the Pirates need uh, to get off the schneid, so to speak. And, you know, you look at it, this living and dying with every game with East Carolina basketball, not, not to get on a soapbox, but, you know, I'm very well aware, as all of our fans are, of our poor history. But at the same time, that's all the more reason, in my opinion, to not say just here we go again. It's, you know, hang with this team because just think of the magnitude of what Joe Dooley and this staff are trying to do. We've never won more than six games in the American. Uh, We've never finished uh, or we've only finished above 500 in any league twice in the last, you know, 30 years or more, really, I think 40 years. So just understand what they're trying to do as frustrating as it is and you know, hang in there, um, keep supporting the Pirates because I think there's definitely more reasons to be positive than there is to be negative. Yeah, Bubba, thank God for you, man. You always bring the big picture and the perspective, you know, uh, sometimes when I'm flying off the handle. But, hey, I think, you know – there's a lot, like we said earlier, a lot of season left, a lot of season left. This team definitely has a chance to right the ship. I say, I know there's a lot of fans right now. I, you know, reading on the message boards, people want Dooley fired and you hear all that chatter and you know, he hears it too. He hears it too. His family hears it. But before we go down that road, I think, you know, let's see how the season plays out. Um, let's see if we can right the ship. Hopefully we can begin to string together some wins here, but ultimately this, this thing will play itself out. If we continue to struggle and we're losing games by 15, 20 points, um, you know, could I see changes? I could, I could, hopefully it doesn't get to that point though. So uh, I think you just got to go like, not to sound like some coach cliche, but you really got to go one game at a time and see how this thing plays out. No doubt. And the final thing that I'll say about this topic is just one of the things I really thought about here recently was some of the overreaction uh, from, um, you know, that vocal minority uh, on social media and so forth. It's just think of the magnitude, um, like I referenced a moment ago, of what Coach Julie and his staff are trying to do. And to think that, that you're going to go from the, the bottom of the barrel to the even the middle of the pack not we're not even talking about contending for AAC championships we're just talking about going from you know 9 10th 9th 10th or 11th up to you know in that 5th 6th or 7th range um, 
right. to, to, to expect to do that without some hiccups and without some uh, some games where you play poorly is just unrealistic. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think the best way to judge him, Coach Dooley, I think the best way to judge his progress and the direction of the program is when we play the middle of the pack teams, you know, um, teams that we can beat. You know, let's let's face it. Houston is in another league right now. They're outstanding. Uh, we're not beating Houston this year, I don't believe. I'm just trying to keep it real. But, you know, when we play teams like Tulane, right, we play teams like Temple, Tulsa, the middle of the pack, you know, those are games that we need to start to win. I think that's how you can you can judge the, the you know, the progress we're making. Um, so it'll be interesting. Now, if we start playing those teams, if we start playing Tulsa and we're losing by 15, 20 points, then – I think the, the 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 hot seat could get very hot, um, but hopefully, like I said, hopefully it doesn't come down to that point, and we could right the ship. Oh, no doubt. Uh, yeah, if, they, if the wheels were just to totally come off down the stretch, and uh, let's say you win one more game or something like that, and and you're losing consistently by 15, 20, 25 points, then you know absolutely because this is year four of a five year deal and. Something has to happen. You can't let Coach Dooley or any coach uh, go into another final year of a contract um, the way we did a few years ago with baseball. And, uh, yes, not as much money involved, but at the same time, um, you, you know, the coach is the lame duck in that situation. But, then, you know, to promote some of our content that we currently have out there on social media and, um, you know, specifically our YouTube channel, we have our D1 baseball preview for the state of North Carolina. We've caught up with 13 of the 17 D1 coaches around the state on some tremendous conversations, uh, you know, including coaches that the, the Pirates are going to be playing against this year um, in the likes of uh, Scott Forbes from North Carolina and also um, Coach Chris Pollard of Duke. They've done such a tremendous job there with the Blue Devils and um, accomplishing some unprecedented things in recent years on taking them to the brink of Omaha. Uh, so we have that. Definitely check that out. And then also 23 Jungle Tales. We caught up with Matt Bridges and Cam Colmore, who were part of the Pirates program for the last six years as a result of uh, some injuries. Also COVID uh, in the in the case of uh, in the case of both of those guys. And so so many, um, so many things to look forward to, and also to go back and check out. Uh, so make, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel, and then also on the college baseball front, uh, we'll be catching up with Mike Rooney of D1 Baseball, uh, and also ESPN's college baseball coverage. Uh, Runes does such a tremendous job, and we'll be catching up with him here in the next week or two uh, to not only talk East Carolina and AAC baseball, but then also um, take an in-depth look at the entire nation. That's awesome. Uh, you're doing great work there, Bubba. It's can't wait for some college baseball and uh, looking forward to seeing what East Carolina can do this year. Another top 20 team. So excited about that. And I do want to mention one more thing. This is also, since we jumped into baseball here, just want to mention, this is a huge recruiting weekend for football too. Um, I believe we're hosting two offensive linemen that went into the uh, transfer portal. Um, you know, we all know we need some help there with the O-line. So I'm really hoping that we can land one, at least one, possibly two offensive linemen that can really help us. And like I said, I believe those guys are on campus this weekend. So um, fingers crossed that we can get at least one 
I know we've looked at a, a variety of SCS options um, in terms of the offensive line. Uh, can you provide any more information on, on those guys? Yeah, so we have one. Um, the names might be tough off the top of my head. I believe it's Ben Johnson. He's an offensive lineman from Marist, uh, interior offensive lineman. Um, I believe he has two more years to play, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so that would be a, uh, you know, not, not that Marist is a football hotbed, but uh, apparently he's got some upside. And, you know, you always trust Coach Shankweiler's evaluation of, of, of these offensive linemen. So um, he would be some big help uh, on the interior O-line. And then I believe there's a uh, FCS lineman in, um, I want to say from Hampton, if I'm not mistaken, who was a second team All-American. Uh, another interior O lineman that brings a you know big body and some size. So hopefully, um, you know we need the help. We need the help up front, and um, you know hopefully this weekend we can land these guys. And also, uh, as far as upcoming content, we'll catch up with John Mosley, who's a former member of the East Carolina basketball staff and was uh, most recently the uh, head men's basketball coach at Lincoln University, I believe it is, out, out in the uh, the Midwest. Um, he has now uh, actually been named the president of Lincoln University. So we'll have John on to talk about that with him being a pirate. And also we'll try to catch up with Mac McCarthy, a former East Carolina men's basketball coach, who also you know took Chattanooga to the Sweet 16 back in the 90s. We'll have Coach Mac on to uh, take a look if the conference races start to heat up. Um, but, you know, Matt, do you have anything else before we get out of here? Hey, just looking forward to tomorrow. Uh, also have my eye on that game tonight, that UCF-Houston game. I think that's going to be interesting. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can just – we can get back in the win column tomorrow and right this ship and, and and get back on the right track here. And um, and like I said, we got to get another offensive lineman. So big weekend for football too. Hopefully we can get it done. And Mark had one more thing for you, Matt, before we wrap this up. And he says, Matt, you need to replace the battery in your clock that's over, over your right shoulder. Mark, uh, it's so funny you mention that because you're about the 30th person who's told me that. But here's the thing. For me to get that clock down off that wall, it's it's like a very uh, – the, the the system, it's it's way more difficult than it looks. So I think it's going to be like that for the next 20 years. So, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> but I'm glad you pointed it out. Everybody, everybody mentions it. It's right twice a day, Mark. <laughs> exactly. I'm saying now you're so used to it not having the correct time that it it would be weird if it did have the correct time. Yeah, now it's now it just has to stay like this forever. Yeah, now it's just a wall, wall fixture. But um, <laughs> no, excellent show. Appreciate appreciate um, you coming on on a whim, Matt, and you know, and talking pirate basketball as well as some other topics. But really look forward to seeing how those games within the American unfold tonight. Hopefully, the Pirates. Uh, we'll come out victorious with a much-needed win on Sunday afternoon against Cincinnati. Um, but for Matt Semenza, I'm Bubba Rosenbaum. You have been watching and listening to the Sports Objective. Have a great weekend, everyone.